Hey there, this is History Unadulterated. I'm your host, Olivia Williams, and shout out to my teacher, Miss Mack, uh, the person who gave me this assignment. So here at History Unadulterated, we are looking at two groups of people in America, African Americans brought as slaves to the country, and also um, LGBT people. And in this first episode of this two-part series, we are going to be looking at African-American history. I have re-recorded this a few times already. It is 9 p.m. and I am ready for a good take, so cross your fingers for me. So, uh, the drill is we have some events, some historical figures, and then some things to note. Those are the three sections. So, kicking it off with events. The first important event happened in 1619 when the first slave ship arrived in Jamestown, Virginia. Um, There were 20 Africans seized from a Portuguese slave ship. And it makes me wonder because I'd never actually found my answer was did, they weren't Americans at this point, but for all intents and purposes, we're gonna call them the Americans. Did the Americans like head out knowing they were trying to find slaves or did they come across this ship And we're like, hey, free labor. I don't know. I'm sure there's an answer out there, but it wasn't one that I came across. Second important event. uh, So throughout the whole entirety of the 17th and 18th centuries, uh, there were about six to seven million Africans that had been shipped to the New World. These slaves worked mostly in tobacco and cotton fields along the coast from Maryland to Virginia to Georgia. So this was the eastern coast. Uh, and it um, swung on down to the south. Um, so the Revolutionary War. So the Revolutionary War, what is America um, leaving the British colony? They're like fighting for their freedom, and they declare themselves America. And while was very, um, well, we'll say we'll call it we'll say it was common was people who needed troops would advertise that any slave who joined them would be granted freedom for serving in the war. Um, but after the Revolutionary War, African Americans were considered in like legal tents um, to be three-fifths of a person. This was done for taxation and congressional purposes, so like keeping them out of office if they were freed, um, but also because they weren't still full people. Um, Even though they were free, they could be repossessed by the slavers because they were not, you know, 100% human or they weren't seen as that way. Um, In 1793, the invention of the cotton gin increased productivity and required even more slaves to keep the quantity being shipped to England high. So when you have an increase in efficiency and an increase in productivity, you get an increase in demand. And England um, increased their demand, and that required a lot more slaves to work the fields, um, working the cotton gin and the machinery, um, and being a part of that. It's widely believed that, um, you know, the South was bad and the North was good. So we're talking about, like, maybe Civil War time. Like, this was, that's, like, that's what was is sort of like considered in this time but a lot of the rich men up in the north made their wealth off of trading slaves 
Um, in the years of 1774 to 1804, all northern states had abolished slavery. The way America sets itself up is, um, like, states have a lot of power. States have a lot of ability to make their own decisions and make their own, um, what's the word, laws, sort of, or their own, like, um, systems and everything. Um, and, like, you know, federal doesn't have a lot of position over this. So, like, the northern states on their own decided to abolish slavery, but the federal government didn't impart that upon um, the South. And that was, like, their decision to make. In 1808, um, at the African slave trade was outlawed. So that meant that no longer could the Americans go over to Africa, steal people, bring them over, you know, and make them slaves to work the fields. But the domestic trade had a really big boom. It flourished, and over the next 50 years, the slave population almost tripled. By 1860, there were nearly 4 million Africans enslaved, and more than half of them lived in the South in the cotton-producing regions of America. Uh, the last important event uh, or important date is 1820-1860. The Underground Railroad was established. Excuse me while I take a drink. <clears throat> so, the Underground Railroad. I never understood why it was called the Underground Railroad. I didn't think it was actually like the train stations and everything. But I discovered that it was called this because of the code system. So in this code, there were conductors, there were cargo, and there were stations. So conductors were abolitionists, the people who were helping to free the slaves and were very and were like anti-slavery. There were cargo, which were slaves who were escaping. And then there were stations, which were safe spots uh, where um, freed slaves or slaves who were freeing themselves uh, could get food, shelter, water, and supplies. And this movement is estimated to have helped 40,000 to 100,000 people escape slavery. The number isn't very exact, but that is uh, the closest that we have. One really important person in this whole event is Harriet Tubman. We're going to talk more about her. But... It is estimated that she made about 19 trips um, to bring black slaves into Canada. Um, the Underground Railroad was all about getting slaves out of the South and up into the northern regions of America or up into Canada. Uh, so that ends our events section. Now we're going to talk about like things to note before we go into historical figures. Actually, let's do, I change my mind, I'm going to do historical figures first. So we just talked about Harriet Tubman. So Harriet Tubman was born into slavery. Um, she escaped slavery eventually and proceeded to help upwards of 70 enslaved people reach freedom via the Underground Railroad. Um, getting more modern, um, this is like the 1960s, 1940s to 70s basically. Uh, James Baldwin was a writer, poet, and activist who explored the distinctions of race, sexuality, social class in society. He was not um, a Martin Luther King kind of guy, like, out in the streets marching, but he was writing and he was making um, societal waves um, openly, obviously, anti-racist and anti-segregation. 
Uh, he was openly gay, and he was a very big figure in the um, pop cultural movements of the late 1900s. Um, the third person is Baird Rustin. So Baird Rustin is uh, another openly gay man. He is an advocate for racial justice, gay rights, socialism, nonviolence, and he was an organizer of the Freedom Rides, which was the boycott against the Montgomery bus station, where people would like ride buses across the um, the place, um, across the country, uh, just to you know promote freedom and to boycott the um, segregation on the buses. Um, he also organized marches and speeches during the 40s to 70s. And one thing people don't know about this guy is that he is often photographed a lot with Martin Luther King Jr. He was basically his right-hand man. They were best buds. They worked to- together very closely. And he is often very overlooked despite doing so much for the um, Black Liberation Movement. Um my prediction is that he was a socialist who was also gay, but who's to say? And our last person is a wonderful woman by the name of Audrey Lord. She is a writer, feminist, civil rights activist who describes herself as black, lesbian, mother, warrior, war, warrior, sorry, and poet. She devotes she devoted her entire life to fighting injustices of race, sexism, homophobia, classism, and capitalism. Uh, definitely my kind of girl. <laughs> she was uh, also a close friend of James Baldwin as a writer. She was a part of that um, writing and gay community. And they were very close friends. Um, so now we're going to get into the things to note. So the things to note section talks about slavery and also talks about um, post-slavery. So like post-Civil War, um, all that stuff. I'm going to take another drink, excuse me. Okay, so these are just things that I learned and wanted to include because I thought they were important. I thought they were um, humanizing and I wanted to share them. So the first thing I have here is that slaves were to follow a code which kept them totally dependent on their masters. Um, knowing nothing about slavery, it can be easy to wonder, like, well, why didn't they just leave, or why didn't they just fight back? They did fight back. Um, but they were very heavily emotionally manipulated and, um, like, kept dependent on their masters so that they couldn't fight and couldn't leave. Um, this involved not being allowed to, uh, speak their own language. Um, but they also were not taught the language. They weren't taught English. They weren't taught how to read or how to write either. Um, their behaviors and movement were restricted as well, and their practices and culture were prohibited. Their hair was to be cut short and wrapped, um, and cultural traditions were not allowed. Um, today, I mean, you'll hear lots of, it's a very, um, common, um, microaggression like the oh can I touch your hair like just because it's different than yours like no you can't touch my hair and I mean hair is important it's symbolic um and there are 
you know, roots in slavery, like not being able to express yourself with your hair and partake in those cultural traditions. Um, women were often raped and disobedient slaves were punished harshly via torture and other similar things. Um, slavery was not good. It wasn't just hard labor. It was also torture. It was constant dehumanization. It was um, not being able to have a family, not having a marriage that is recognized in the country as legitimate. It's not having any right over your children and your family and being separated from them at any point. It's terrible. The abolitionist movement was led by free black people and white supporters. Um, interesting thing is that most of the abolitionists, based of their belief of like 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 um, slavery is bad, on the fact that slavery was a sin, but there were also others that focused on the free labor argument. Um, they saw slavery as something that made little economic sense, and that was what they based their belief that slavery was wrong in. The Emancipation Proclamation. So Mr. Abraham Lincoln is credited as the guy who ended slavery. Um, the Emancipation Proclamation only applied to slaves in the Union. The Union, um, so this is getting into the Civil War stuff. So the Civil War, you've heard of the Confederates. Um, so the Confederates were like the Southern states and the Union was made up of the Northern states and some Western central states. The Civil War was initially about the Union, so it was about um, the unionized um, states of the country trying to get the Confederate states to join the Union. But it turned into a war about ending versus maintaining slavery. Um, you'll hear all the time people say like the, con like the Confederate flag isn't racist because the Civil War was about states keeping their rights. But it wasn't just about states keeping their rights. Well, a lot of the right that they were trying to keep so bad was the right to have slaves. So it's just, read a book um, <laughs> when I hear that argument, it's so annoying. Um, the Civil War was mostly about preserving America, not freeing slaves. That um, wasn't like, like it's easy to look at the North and be like, wow, they were so amazing. They were trying to free the slaves. But all they were really doing was trying to unionize America. And the argument of can we keep our slaves came up. And that was what stopped the um, Confederate states from joining so easily and led into a whole war. My thoughts really dry. Um, ending slavery did become a later goal due to the growing anti-slavery sentiments in the North. You got to keep your you got to keep your people happy. Um, it was also a military necessity. They needed more people in the military, and there was a treasure trove of people who could serve in the military, but not if they were only three fifths of a person. Um, but and also slaves were like freeing themselves. They were like escaping and rather than like losing citizens um they could just free the slaves and then have them work uh after the civil war the 13th amendment was passed um 
This amendment is in the Constitution. It applies to all states. States don't get to have their own rule regarding this. Um, the thing about changing a Constitution is that it's a really big deal. It's uh, not easy, and it totally changes like the fabric of um, your country, like what it is made up of. So the 13th Amendment was passed, which officially ended slavery. The aftermath resulted in citizenship for African Americans and the right to vote for the men. Southern states passed Jim Crow laws, though, which approved segregation. So it's like, well, we're not slaves anymore. We are our own people. However, there are still so many social barriers that you still have to jump through. Although slavery had ended, racism was obviously alive and well. Um, you don't just sign a sheet of paper, pass it through, make it um, a thing. Like, okay, slaves aren't allowed anymore. And then expect all the citizens to start seeing these people that they saw as, like, oxes now as humans. This is when we see the rise in lynchings. One way people, sorry, one way people tried to limit the rights of black people was putting a tax on the polls preventing poor black men from voting. Um, well, you don't have to understand about, like, the freeing them of slavery is that there were no social services, like, in place for people. They didn't know the language. They couldn't read. They couldn't write. They didn't know the things that they, they needed to know about America to succeed in America. So today, in 2021, when you hear people say, the thing about America is that all you have to do is work hard and you can make it. But that's not true because this country wasn't built on allowing anyone to succeed. It's about allowing the people with the privilege, the people with all of the information that is given to them because it's seen as a right and like letting them succeed and giving them all the tools they need. We each have a toolbox. And the, the hard fact of the matter is that African Americans don't have all the tools they need in their toolbox. African toolbox. African Canadians don't either. Black people anywhere don't have it. They don't have what they need. And that's because of slavery and racism. Um, this is, like I'm saying right now, like this is an example of racism being rooted in society. Voter suppression is still a thing today, and it is still widely targeted at people of color, particularly black people who live in neighborhoods um, where they're all like squished in together, these poor neighborhoods. This is also the time when the Ku Klux Klan, the KKK, was also formed. Uh, yeah, it's um, terrifying. They're also anti-Semites, um, probably homophobic. I mean, I assume they are. Um, the thing about the KKK was that everyone knows they're bad. Like, they're bad. They're murderers. They are terrible people. But the government allowed the violence to occur because supporters of segregation and, like, old Confederate leaders were actually able to hold office at this time. Excuse me. <coughs> 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 oh, sorry. I promise don't have corona. I, <laughs> I've just been talking for too much without a properly lubricated throat. <sighs> okay. So, isn't that, isn't that just wonderful? 
I cannot believe that Confederate leaders were allowed to hold office. But actually, yes, I can. So yeah, the KKK was just allowed to exist because, I mean, people still don't care about black people even though they aren't slaves anymore. Okay, two more things. So I want to talk about AAVE, so African American Vernacular English or Black Vernacular English, BVE. So BVE is a form of English spoken by African Americans, typically in urban communities today. Its origins, like everything else, are in slavery. Stolen Africans weren't taught the language, and they were punished for speaking their own. But they learned English anyway by listening to slavers and white people all around them. It wasn't properly taught to them like it is, like your parents did as a baby, like they learned it by listening. And this resulted in a new variety of English that isn't always grammatically correct or words aren't said correctly. An example is like the word is ask and people who use bve would say like axe um instead of ask because slaves were born into slave sorry because slaves bore slaves and taught their kids to speak this vernacular was passed down and is still passed down today lastly i want to talk about the origins of the police in america <sighs> this is <laughs> It's a hot topic right now. It's a very big deal. Police brutality, we all know it's bad. Um, I think the issue that, um, the thing that really divides us is that some people acknowledge that it is systemic, that it is something that um, exists in the roots of policing, while others um, consider it to be like, you know, a bad apple. But let's talk about it. Industrial growth could only be made possible by bodies who could be exploited and forced to do hard labor in enormous quantities. The South solution was slavery, solely of black people. People's land and property needed surveillance and the slaves needed to be kept in line. This is the introduction of the patrollers. These patrollers were in charge of enforcing laws against slaves and intimidating them into submitting and obeying. These patrollers have grown and evolved over the years into our modern-day police force. The need for police arose when slavery occurred, and their purpose was to control the slaves. And when slaves were emancipated, when all the slaves were freed, their job was to continue to keep them, like, you know, like, in line and to not be disruptive and be like a bad um, part of society. And so of course, there are still those systemic things within the training of police officers. You just can't, you can't ignore it. Today, we see the rise of the term ACAB, A-C-A-B, all cops are bad. The police force is rooted in racism. That is undeniable, and those roots affect the police force today. Even if your dad or uncle or aunt is a great person who would never shoot a black driver at a traffic stop, they're a part of the system which allows it. All cops are bad. Okay, so those were the events, the historical figures, and some things to note that I found during my... Uh, research regarding African Americans from slavery to post Civil War. Um, I learned <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I 
I hope that you learned a lot as well. And I hope that you will also listen to the next episode, which will be on queer history in America, particularly. Thank you for listening. I'm Olivia Williams. I'll see you next time. Bye.